Good morning. It is wonderful to be with you, uh, to have in my mind's eye uh, all of our church members gathered to worship God together, uh, to hear his word together. Um, I hope you are encouraged by the sense of what we are sharing together, even though we are physically apart. The spirit of God is in the lead in all that's taking place. God is not catching up. He is leading what is happening. And that includes what he's doing in us, what he's doing through us, how people are going to be impacted beyond what we can now see, but one day we will be hearing of it. So let's be praising him, praying and being encouraged in our own hearts. When you think of your life, uh, what has brought out the most determination for you? Is it the determination when it comes to your work ethic? Is it involving uh, adversity that you are struggling against? Is it achievement? that you want to see in your life, what causes you to be most determined? And as you think about that question, does God appear anywhere in your answer? Is there any determination for God in your life? The determination to know him, to pursue him, uh, to be a part of what he is doing. Uh, We continue in our series preaching through uh, the book of Acts, or book of Luke. Well, I did that for Pat. Pat messed up with the time, and I had to correct him off to the side, so now I just threw that out so Pat could give me a little correction about what book of the Bible we're in. So now we're even, we are in Luke, so we can confirm that to all of you. So things really are normal here at Green Tree. We are in the book of Luke in chapter 19. And in this passage, we meet a man who is determined to see Jesus. So let's read Luke 19, verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For Jesus was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down, for I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus hurried and came down and received him joyfully. When they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, 
Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Our Heavenly Father, we ask that your word would penetrate to the depths of our hearts and our minds to bring your light to any place that is dim or darkened. And that you would stir up fresh encouragement in how we live for you. May truth be known, embraced, and lived out in every listening heart. And we ask this in the name of the present Jesus. Amen. Zacchaeus had been interested in seeing Jesus for some time. The verb tense in verse 3 when it says he was seeking is a tense that indicates this has been an ongoing action. Zacchaeus has been wondering who is this teacher, prophet, and and miracle worker that I, I hear so much about. Finally, that Jesus has has come to his town and Zacchaeus had a desire to see Jesus, but he really had no hope in, in actually meeting him. But he felt drawn, the passage says, to, to see who Jesus was. He wanted to get past what he was hearing to, to see and know something of this man but it was not an easy task as we find so often as Jesus is traveling a huge crowd is around him and as Jesus is making his way through the streets of Jericho the the crowds are so thick that Zacchaeus can't see through the crowd he is a man who is short he can't see over them and the crowd was not about to make way for him because Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He was despised. He was viewed as a Roman collaborator and an extortionist. And we actually see throughout the Gospels there was a phrase used among the Jewish people of tax collector and sinner. They were a phrase connected together. They were meant to be synonymous. To say someone was a tax collector was a a euphemism for someone who is a sinner. So Zacchaeus takes action that that probably surprised him. In verse 4, so he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see Jesus. Here is a man who is wealthy. He is most likely middle-aged because we're told he was 
the chief tax collector. In that culture, uh, to be in a leadership role, you had to be a man of at least middle age. And so here we have this middle-aged wealthy man running and climbing up a tree. That's what boys do. They run everywhere. They're climbing trees. A middle-aged wealthy man doesn't do that. So there is Zacchaeus up in the tree. He's probably uh, panting. He's sweating, but he's there waiting to see Jesus. The crowd's coming by, and then unexpectedly, in the midst of all the clamor and noise that had to be going on, uh, people calling out to Jesus, people talking to one another, and then Jesus stopped. And looks up and addresses Zacchaeus there in the tree. Zacchaeus' heart had to be in his throat. What was Jesus about to say to him? And what Jesus said was, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down, for I must stay at your house today. Now, verse 3 is clear in letting us know these men did not know each other. Jesus did not know who Zacchaeus was prior to this. But Jesus, who was filled with the Holy Spirit, had the Spirit in him who knew Zacchaeus. Indeed, his heavenly Father had known him Before the world was created. As he has known you. Before the first words of of creation were uttered. God knew you. And the spirit leading Jesus. Revealed who this man was. And that this was a man in whom the spirit was at work. And as Zacchaeus was drawn to meet Jesus, Jesus was drawn to bring care to this man. And so Jesus presses himself on Zacchaeus. I must today not just visit your house or have a meal. He says, I must stay. I'm going to be your house guest. Zacchaeus doesn't hesitate. He does not waste this opportunity. He hurries down and he joyfully receives Jesus. It was probably hard for him to even think straight. So unexpected was what was taking place. So amazed was he, a tax collector, Jesus addressing him, Jesus inviting himself to be a guest in his home. But what comes next is jaw-dropping. Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it 
fourfold. Most likely, this statement now is a little bit later because we see in verse 7, uh, the crowd is, is referring to Zacchaeus has gone or Jesus has gone to the house of Zacchaeus. So we are now probably a little bit later. They have gathered. They're having the meal. And then at some point, it says Zacchaeus stands. Now we've seen the phrase a few times in the Gospels of reclining at table. Uh, the description that was used uh, for banquets and special meals at that time. For a special meal, the guests were not sitting in chairs around a table. They were laying among cushions at a very low table. And so they were most likely in that situation, sharing a meal, talking uh, on their arms. And then at one point, as discussion is going on, Jesus speaking, Zacchaeus listening, Zacchaeus stands up. What he has to say is too important for it to be as he's lying down. He gets up and makes a commitment of what he will give. He is a wealthy man. He is the chief tax collector in Jericho, which was one of three tax collection centers in the nation. And he is the chief of that regional tax collection place where he is getting some slice of what's coming in from all those who are under him. He has accumulated most likely vast wealth and has a lifestyle commensurate to the money he has. And he says, half of all that I own I'm going to give to those who are in need around me. But he goes further. He makes a commitment not just to give. We see he's making a commitment to repent, to have a life changed. If there is anyone I have defrauded of anything, I'm going to give it back fourfold. And under the Mosaic law, if someone had stolen money from someone, the law required that they give it back plus 20%. Zacchaeus is doing far more than that to commit to give back fourfold. This is a man whose heart is, is changed. And he knows something new has, has happened. That new life is, is growing, new desires, and he wants to act upon it. And that's what repentance is. The turning from what was old, what was against God, what was our own way, and turning from that and taking new action with new attitudes that follow God and show love for him. This is a picture of repentance. And as we 
see this dramatic picture of repentance in Zacchaeus, we should ask ourselves, what would full repentance look like in our life if it has not yet taken place? Are you doing all that you can to live for Jesus or the least to get by? We find here Zacchaeus doesn't do the least he can. He goes beyond what anyone would have asked or expected because his heart was full for Christ. He wanted to be a great commandment person to love God with all his heart and his neighbor as himself. So he's seeking to act on that. What does that mean for you? What needs to be made right that hasn't been made right, to be confessed which hasn't been confessed, to be let go of that you're still clinging to? Is there any provision that you make for for a comfortable sin? What have you done somewhat to serve God, but you know in your heart it's not complete? What still needs to happen? Zacchaeus has set aside his self-centered life to embrace a far better life. One that though he he hasn't had time to fully grasp it within his soul he recognizes it has to be better than the self-centered life of accumulation and wealth that he has been living. Jesus is is promising something far better. And Zacchaeus sees it and that's what he wants. What has happened to this man? True faith has come. Not just believing that Jesus is the Christ sent by God, but faith that acts on what he believes. If this man is the Christ, how do I respond? That's faith. What do I do if I believe what he said? He is showing true repentance. He is showing true faith. He is showing true love for God. He will exalt God and the heart of God for the needs around him more than exalting and holding on for self. Here is a man upon whom we can see the spirit of God has fallen. For when the spirit comes, he does not come with a light or a subtle touch. The spirit comes to fill us and to change us, to make us dramatically new in whatever way represents the heart of Christ. And what the spirit does is completely, entirely good. Are you convinced of the goodness of what the Spirit will do in and through you as your heart is given to him? And those deceiving fears of, I have to hold on to things or I will lose. You cannot lose when your heart is fully 
given to Christ. You cannot lose. Jesus declares Zacchaeus here to be a son of Abraham. In verse 9, Jesus said, Today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. Now, son of Abraham can mean just ethnically a descendant of Abraham, meaning that you are a Jew. And realize that Zacchaeus had been rejected by his culture because they believed he had rejected them by working with Rome as one of their tax collectors. He was thought of as defiled and no longer a real Jew. Well, Jesus is speaking words of restoration, but deeper than, no, Zacchaeus truly is one of us. He is a true Jew. Jesus is going further than that, that a son of Abraham is a child of promise because to Abraham was promised through your line will come salvation to the world. And in Romans 4, the Apostle Paul describes Abraham as being the father of faith and those who follow after him are his children in the faith, those who had faith like Abraham to trust all that God had said to him. So Zacchaeus is being described as this man's a true believer. He is a child of God, a child of promise. How much took place that day? Zacchaeus could never have dreamed how that day would end. And it all happened because he met Jesus and he humbled his heart and responded to Jesus coming to him and his life is transformed. In these verses, we, we see a man determined to see Jesus, but we also see Jesus determined to save Zacchaeus. For as interested as Zacchaeus was in finding out who is this man, Jesus, Jesus is even more interested to see and to know Zacchaeus. Jesus is not satisfied with a greeting. I must come to your house. We must get to know each other. And so Jesus stops the parade to address an ostracized man hiding in a tree. Right now, as Jesus saw Zacchaeus physically, but also saw and knew his heart, so God sees you and knows your heart. You're not on the edges of God's sight, God's heart, God's plan. You are always in the center of God's attention because that's God's heart.
It's not something you have to earn to be in the center of God's attention. It is God's heart for us. Will you believe that? Will you respond to him knowing how you are right in his eyes and mind and heart? And he wants you to know him as he right now does know you. Zacchaeus was determined to get to Jesus. But Jesus is even more determined to get to Zacchaeus. Just as Zacchaeus broke cultural boundaries and running and climbing up into the tree, Jesus also broke cultural boundaries. He invites himself to someone's home, which wasn't done. And he invites himself to the home of a sinner, which immediately people complained about it. It wasn't done. To share a meal with someone was, was a significant act of fellowship and of identifying with the person you're eating with. Jesus chooses to identify himself with Zacchaeus, a man known as a sinner and despised. Jesus, in coming into this world as Emmanuel, is one of the names of Jesus, which means God with us. Jesus, the Son of God, breaks all expectations anyone could have of God. For the eternal God chose to share humanity with us. Forever he lives as truly God and truly man together. God humbling himself, walking these dusty roads of Judea. Many treating him with contempt, with suspicion. Just seen as some itinerant out there trying to get attention. Here he is, the glorious son of God. The whole world should be bowing in amazement. And yet, he's rejected, despised, brutalized, betrayed, crucified. God in flesh coming to the world, and the world puts him to death. God willingly makes himself sacrifice for us. We can never be more determined than God is toward us. And he has broken all manner of expectation who could have dreamed what God would do so that we might be restored to him. Zacchaeus was committed to now live for Jesus. But Jesus was committed to now die for Zacchaeus. In verse 10, Jesus 
ends this dialogue with the statement of himself, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Zacchaeus' newfound generosity, as wondrous as it was, that could not save him. Giving all of his income, if he did so, to the poor. Making restitution tenfold. None of that could save him. For the guilt of his sin remained. Only Christ could wash away the guilt of his sin through the sacrifice of his life. Christ, the perfect God, becoming perfect man without sin, offering himself as a perfect sacrifice to sinners. Jesus stepping into our place to receive the wrath of the Father as he died on the cross, receiving the penalty our sin deserves. Jesus took it from us for us. And he paid the price that we were required to pay. That's what saved Zacchaeus. That is what Jesus was determined to do. And when Jesus speaks of coming to save, as he is speaking to Zacchaeus of his desire to save him, As he speaks those words, Jesus is looking ahead to what he knows is required for that desire, that commitment to take place. If Jesus is serious about saving Zacchaeus, if Jesus is serious about saving the lost, he must die. And think of all the conversations we know Jesus has When he walks in this world, the people he speaks grace to, those he invites to know him, and he speaks of restoration, and our hearts are encouraged and warmed by the grace Jesus gives to sinner after sinner, and we're not always recognizing that as Jesus spoke those words, he knew those words of grace would require Him to die and pay a penalty we cannot imagine. These were not easy, empty promises. These were all repeated declarations. I will go to the cross for you. I know your guilt and I will take it from you. And I will take the wrath. Your guilt deserves. That is what is inside of every word of grace Jesus uttered in this world. And it's inside the words of grace he gives to you. For he says, I came to seek and save the lost. Everyone that would come to him. We see much here to commend about Zacchaeus. 
of his persistence, determination, his commitment, his repentance. We, we see a lot to imitate and to learn from Zacchaeus. And yet, at every turn, Jesus soars higher in what he does. His interest is greater. His determination is greater. His commitment is greater. It always is. What Jesus does always outweighs what he calls for from us. And he calls for everything. To love him with all that we are. To lay down all that we have before him that he would be king and Lord. He asked for everything from us and yet what he gives back is even more. For the everything he gives is beyond what our eye has seen, ear has heard. Whatever has entered into our minds, we cannot imagine the fullness of the goodness God will pour out to Everyone who comes to him. And that is for anyone who is lost, who needs him. That's, that's for today. Anyone who would call out, Jesus, come know me. Jesus, help me. Jesus, take my sin. Jesus, show me. Will you not just... Call out and ask him to, to demonstrate himself, to make clear, to verify that he is alive and real. Will you not just seek him in that? But it wasn't just Zacchaeus and Jesus who had determination manifested in this passage. Very briefly in verse 7, we see another group that was determined. And when they, those who are in the crowd, they, they see the interaction with Jesus and Zacchaeus and Jesus going to his home, they all grumbled. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Now they consider themselves as being determined for the honor and righteousness of God. They were not going to compromise with sinners and associate with them. They thought they were lifting up God's honor. They were making a stand for God, but they were actually making a stand for themselves. For it was God in flesh speaking to Zacchaeus. They didn't recognize God's son when he stood before them. They did not recognize God's work as it took place. They did not recognize God's heart. So they took no joy in what was taking place. A son of promise is being born before their eyes. And instead of rejoicing, they grumble. The same word used about the people of Israel in the wilderness, complaining repeatedly that God's not doing enough, that God's not caring. Filled with their own selfishness and short-sightedness rather than looking with trust to God. But this wasn't the first time this kind of interaction had taken place. 
Back in chapter 5, verse 30, the Pharisees and scribes grumbled at Jesus' disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And then Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And then again in chapter 15, verse 2, again, Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told a parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he does find it, he, he lays it on his shoulder rejoicing. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Jesus has repeatedly answered their complaints and has declared the will of God to save sinners. And yet, these people remain determined to hold to their own view, their own opinions. They are determined to stay as they are. And so they remain under the condemnation of their own words and their sin. So let's tie all this together as we close. Are you drawn by the beauty and worth of Jesus? There is, there is no one more worthy of our pursuit of our determination, of our commitment. Whatever time or energy that it requires of you to know Jesus more, he is worthy of it. Even if it, it calls for you to act out of character of what is typical for you, to do it for Jesus is worthy. Do you see him as worth your pursuit And are you determined and committed to Jesus? We all have resistance that pops up at times in our lives. How do you handle that? What happens when you see some opposition in you, some resistance? Do you just say, I can't help myself? Do you follow that? Or do you again look at Jesus and see his worthiness and See his commitment to you through the cross. Or are you just observing Jesus? One in the crowd, you hear about him. Perhaps you come to church, listen on live stream, somewhat regular basis. You know about him. You're a moral person. People would think of you maybe even as a church person, as a good person. But are you just observing Jesus, have you really received his invitation? Do you, do you sup with him? Does your life show that he rules your heart and that you are his? Does your life show Jesus' heart? 
perhaps you're afraid to commit. It seems hard what you'll have to give up, but Jesus always gives more. Jesus always does more. And as Jesus said to Zacchaeus, the words belong to you. Hurry today. Come to Jesus who came to save you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this display once again of how full the heart of Jesus is. For anyone, despite the the breadth or depth of their sin, despite how the world thinks about them or rejects them, you are seeking to save and gather to yourself. And so anyone who is outside of others, who is ostracized, who is sinful, who doesn't want people to know what they're like, or is discouraged at their own failures, may our our eyes be open to see that from Christ, love pours out, grace pours out to be received. So help us all to receive that grace. In Jesus' name, amen.